Wild. Time for start show. Drogo defeat audience. Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords and ladies. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely. For you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Valadros and the Wavens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Swarfinde, and I welcome you to the 20 sided theater. Dancing lights! While my insufferable bastards spend the next few months traversing the open seas with very little to break the monotony, I shall guide your attention toward a new group of heroes from the far-off land of Rios. These fresh-faced individuals travel the lands, crying the news of local dangers and then dealing with said dangers so that the common people might sleep a little better. It is my pride and joy to introduce Chip Dipson's Action Town Criers. Led by your anchorman, Chip Dipson, a gnome cleric of Paldas the Bright, spreading the news, both good and bad, with a kindly, trustworthy countenance. Come on, guys. Cold Point isn't going to warn itself of any dangers. It's our God's given duty to spread the word of the day. Or may Paladess the Bright strike me blind. The Crier's war correspondent, Hera Laris, a disapproving human paladin mounted atop a celestial riding bird. Her iron skirts are divided for battle. The Wiz, if you put a pie anywhere near me or Solstafir, you'd better be prepared to lose the hands that launched it. The Action Crier's entertainment correspondent, The Wiz. A shapely human harlequin illusionist whose voice annoys me only slightly less than the dancing lights girl I hired last year. She has a teensy bit of a learning disability. Uh, specifically, she has discrustacea. But her adorable handwriting with all those hearts over the eyes more than makes up for it. Oh, come on, Pally. If you ever want to turn that frown upside down, then you'll have to get more comfortable around my enormous stockpile of plantain cream pies. Because they're not going anywhere. Bringing you all of the sports news you want, so long as you want to hear only about Ectoball, the vengeful psychic ghost of Adonska Rothgeld. Once a living member of the Action Town Criers, this easily frustrated Menad was accidentally stricken in the face by the axe of one Ox Balbjorn. He now haunts the offending weapon, 
seeking eternal revenge against an inanimate object. Boo! Come on! Boo! Be afraid, you stupid ex! The Action Town Crier's most senior correspondent of all, the venerable and aged Engar Flamehand, a human magus in his early 80s who brings you the most up-to-date health and wellness news possible, because he's the one doing all of the experiments. Almost every illness can be cured with a little leeching, followed by a lot of cauterizing. Lords and ladies of my beloved audience, recline upon your gilded seats, quaff your libations, and adjust your listening devices to receive the full stereophonic scryocastic selection of sounds so that you may thoroughly enjoy your evening at the Twenty-Sided Theatre. You've just let the town of Zagor Dariz, heading south through the Gorlis Desert toward Gold Point. There you can find a ship to the city of Kord, where rumor says you can find the third Blood Gate Key. Last night your sleep was greatly disturbed by the appearance of three mummies and six enormous scorpions, so you guys are a little sluggish packing away the camp this morning. As a vengeful psychic ghost, I don't sleep. My dad always said I can sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> Turns out my dad was wrong about that, too. Adonska, why don't you pack up the camp? We'll need to leg it if we want to bring the news of the month to Gold Point and Cord. I'd help, but I cannot touch anything. But maybe I could if one of you would let me possess you. Uh, I'm not sure I could survive the process. Over my dead body. And even then, I plan on exploding or catching fire so my body isn't left in any shape for anyone to repurpose or recycle. Oh, don't be such a meanie, Pally. I'll tell you what, Ghosty. If you can figure out which of these dancing, juggling mirror images is the real me, then I'll let you use my hands until we break for lunch. Oh, I... Um... Are you this the whiz? Try again tomorrow. If you buy a ticket, the price is one key. Adamska, can't you possess the bodies of those who have gone to the great beyond? If not, then why did I cast gentle repose on your corpse after Ox accidentally killed you with that backswing? Yes, I can do that, Chip, but my body hasn't been repaired yet. I do thank you for making sure it's not rotting or anything, but there is still that huge split going from just above my left eye to just below my right collarbone. Makes it very hard to be useful. Well, we can use your share of the rewards from our last journalistic investigation to fix your corpse at the next town. Since you can't help with the teardown, uh, how about you do some scouting instead? I'm on it, boss. You strike the camp and set out along the lonely desert road. Over the next day and a half, surprisingly, nothing much happens. No packs of roving zombies, no marauding bands of hobgoblin dervishes, no sudden sandstorms, just walking through the desert. Paldus the Bright shines the light of his favor upon us. I wish he'd shine his light a little less intensely. 
Divided or not, iron skirts over a padded black wall slip really isn't ideal garb for the desert. Agreed. Although my ceremonial robes from the Municipal College of Magical Arts allow plenty of airflow, they tend to soak up heat like that ever sponge that destroyed the river veil of eastern Paragos. Most of your conversations go along similar meandering paths until something appears on the horizon. Give me some spot checks. Uh, my eyes aren't what they used to be. Are you speaking of that oddly curved line that blurs the sky? Anger. Push your glasses all the way up. It looks humanoid, but a little small. They might need our help. Come on, town criers, let's spread the news. As you draw closer to the small humanoid, you see that its body is covered in green scales. Oh, hi guys. You got any water? Nah, what's that? Is this a tiny lobster? You mean dragon, dear? Yeah, what the lady on the golden riding bird said. I'm a half dragon. The other bit's half pixie. Oh, no you ain't. Where do you think we're gonna find a dragon around here? There isn't an ocean for miles. You're a lobster. Definitely a lobster. Um, good pixie, what are you doing in the middle of the desert? I got lost. That makes sense. I haven't seen a landmark around here for days. We're following a road, Adonska. That's about as much landmark as anyone should need. Anyway, what's your name, Lobsty? Uh... Oh, she means you. Oh, I'm Pinky. Pinky the Problematic Pixie. I'm problematic because I breathe acid sometimes, and that's not really great for my tribe's ecosystem. So they kicked me out. Somehow I ended up lost in this desert. All right, enough with the pleasantries. As a paladin, it is my duty to protect this party by casting Detect Good whenever we meet someone new. Hmm, let's see here. Chip, check. Adonska, check. Engar, check. Pinky, check. And I still don't fully trust you, the Wiz. You don't show up when I detect good or evil. Meh, I can go either way. Either way? Whatever. But I like you guys, so I'll keep the weekly number of pranks to the low 30s. Speaking of which... Hey, Pally, look at this orb of distractions! Alright, the Wiz. I think I know what you're up to, so how about you guys give me the appropriate roles? The Wiz, what do you think you're doing with my keyring? Keys, Pally! I gotta have them! I gotta catch them all! It's a compulsion, you know. Plus, I'm pretty sure I have a document here somewhere saying that all your keys belong to me. I believe your agreement was with the Flame Hand. Yes, I think I have a copy here somewhere. Oh, bother. I really need a better filing system for my robes. Man, you guys have some complicated profit-sharing rules. That we do, Lobster Pixie! You're welcome to follow us to the next town, and if you do, might you be interested in helping little old me out researching a new spell? If you just sign here, 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 and here, and then initial, of course, here, 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 over there, here, up here, down here, and then we can see if the Wiz is an escapable contract is working yet. Don't do it. Sign nothing, Pinky. I want to, but I don't know how to write. 
How do you draw the words for Pinky the Problematic Dragon Pixie? Most legal documents will work fine if you just sign them with a big X. You just have to have another witness or two sign it as well to say that it actually was you who made the mark. That sounds good! What's an X look like? It looks like this. Oh, whoops. Sorry, Pinky. I, uh, I signed the wrong line there. It looks like now I have to give all of my keys to myself forever or until both of me dies, whichever comes first. You know, I can draw up a new contract for you if you just give me a sec. You know, just let me finish signing my X on all these lines here, 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 It probably works out better this way. These claws make it kind of hard to hold the writing stick like you're doing. Plus, I'm much more interested in knowing why I can see through that guy who's got all the blue glow around him. That's our friend Adonska. Sadly, he shuffled off this mortar coil about a month ago when our other friend Ox hit him in the face with an axe. Why did he do that? I'm not sure if I want to be friends with you guys if y'all think it's acceptable to kill each other all the time. Oh, no, no, no. That was an accident. Ox was winding up to take down a zombie, and Adonska happened to be standing too close to the backswing. There's no hard feelings between Donska and Ox. But I still seek vengeance on the ex that betrayed us both. So I haunt it and try to scare the ex to death so that my soul can finally rest. Uh... Okay... If you're haunting this ox guy's axe, then where are the both of them? They're both in the cart, guarding our supplies at the moment. At least one of them is probably asleep. And to prove his friendship, one of the supplies ox is guarding happens to be my gently reposed corpse. Once we get to the next town, I am going to pay a cleric to mend my body so I can use it again. Well, well, you guys, you guys have, have another day to catch Pinky up on the ins and outs of town friaring, so let's spin on until the next interesting bit. And that, dear Pixie, is why we put a canteen of endless water upside down in a shrine with the cap off. It's a proper monument to a fallen ally, and in two or three hundred years, this whole desert should be a lush green valley. Wow, that's a neat old plan. Too bad most of you are humans, so you guys won't be around long enough to see it finished. That's pretty much the gist of all of your conversations on this journey. Lots of catching Pinky up on the news of the day, and even more discussion about the various foodstuffs you'd rather eat instead of hardy dwarf brand travel cakes. After another day of uneventful travel through the desert... Really? Two days in the desert? And nobody has succumbed to heat stroke? Or we haven't been attacked by jackals or something? Well, between your supplies, create water, and endure elements, the heat doesn't really affect any of you. And either Adonska is a really good scout who steers you around danger without ever leaving the road, or there's just nothing hostile in this particular stretch of land. In any case, you reach the outskirts of True Dros, just as the sun is beginning to set. The town, centered around an oasis, is empty and silent. Well, this place looks like it needs some more people. But the best I can do is add some mirror images! Yes, this place is rather creepy. Chip, didn't you say this was a bustling trade town because of the oasis? Shouldn't there be at least one camp outside the walls? I fear something terrible may be happening here. 
Peldus the Bright counsels caution as we investigate further. To action, my criers, let's spread the good news. You cautiously enter the town walls and make your way toward the oasis at the center. The town remains deathly silent until the last of you passes through the ring of date trees. When the last bloody edge of the sun is just barely peeking over the horizon, a great wailing and keening echoes forth from the town's structures. It's not me, the Wiz. We left Ox and his axe with the wagon outside of town, so there's really not a point to me being scary right now. Give me some listen checks. I don't think the moaning was what we were supposed to hear, Wiz. But my name is pronounced the Wiz, with a little heart over the eye. Oh, may the gods dang this all to the numberless pecks. We haven't seen or heard naturally running water since the Gorderies, and the first time we come across some, it's haunted or poisoned or evil water or something. Come, Solstafir. We shall somehow use the light of gender equity to cleanse this town of its sickness. We haven't come across a source of clean water in quite some time. At least since, oh, what was that lad's name? The one who was so sadly taken from us by that ethereal marauder in the Mirage Dungeon? Whatever his name was, he had a canteen of endless waters. I, I think you've confused a few things, Master Flamehand. We've never been to a Mirage Dungeon, but Guard of Yunstiv did succumb to a bad case of Feral Snake Fever about a week back. So we gave him a traditional dwarven desert burial and built a little shrine for the Endless Canteen. And we turned it upside down and took the cap with us, so lots of people have a reason to visit God's grave out in the desert. Ah uh, yes, I remember now. I had a few misgivings about leaving an enchanted water source eternally draining into the desert sands. That sounds like the kind of thing that bandits would make off with. So that's why you and the winds cast stone shape to make all the sand into nearly solid block around it. I stood inside and made sure the canteen didn't tip over while the stone solidified. In a few hundred years, this whole desert should be a lush, green expanse. But what happens to the environment before that? First, the desert will become a damp, sandy marsh. Basically, the whole place will be quicksand. And if you wait long enough, you'll flood the whole world. Oh, right. I hadn't thought that. Adanska, you're already a ghost, so you should get some people to turn that canteen back over. Make sure you do it after the desert becomes a veldt or a forest, though. Sounds like a good plan. But I'd rather not think about trying to find a new group of friends after you all pass away. Won't we all be ghosts when we die? Most certainly not. For some of us, a greater reward awaits. Indeed. Adanska seems to be a rare, though not unprecedented, case of psychic ghosthood. Most of us will travel on to the Halls of Judgment, whence we will join our departed brethren or earn great punishments before we return to the Great Cycle of Souls. 
Or maybe your religion only gives you parts of what comes afterwards. Never fully correct, but never truly incorrect. Whatever happens after the rest of you die can wait. Especially since the sound of splashing water is now growing louder as you walk through the deserted town. This place is spooky. Titsky, what? What, what, the whiz? Ghosts can be scared too. In a short while, you enter the town's main square, the central feature of which is an enormous curved stone standing above the pool of water that makes this little outpost of civilization possible. At the base of the bowing monolith, a little shelf of rock juts out five ILDMs above the water. A steady stream flows from its unseen spring and over the shelf to pool into the basin below. Give me some spot checks. Oh dear. My eyes aren't so sharp as they were in my 70s. Is that a person in the pond? Hail, stranger. We bring news of Zagor Dariz. Would you care to swap stories? In the shadows of the pond stands a humanoid a few fingers over five ILDMs tall. What's an ILDM anyway, voice? It's obviously religious writing that foretells the ill doom that awaits our enemies. Oh, right. You guys haven't met the Empire. Well, an ILDM is... You know what, never mind. It's a way of telling how tall a person is, and you guys can plainly see that for yourselves. The figure is clad in half-plate armor. The dark metal is intricately etched with swirling patterns of what could be writing. Its right fist is clenched around a cruelly barbed mace, crafted from the same metal as the armor. On its left arm hangs a heavy metal shield, with a sigil of what seems to be sixteen tentacles coiling in a wheel. Wait a moment. I've studied heraldry, both ecclesiastical and secular, and I've recognized that sigil. It is the sign of a being that my order merely calls the many. This shadowy figure must die. That's not a name. Who goes around insisting that people call them the anything? I'm just gonna let that one slide. While well, I use my natural pixie invisibility to not be noticed by someone that worships anything called the many. Atop the stone shelf at the base of the curved monolith stands a human female dressed in dark purple, lightweight, billowing linen pants, topped with a matching sleeveless doublet. She is thin and long-limbed, standing nearly six ILDMs tall. Her pale arms are lightly muscled and exactingly toned. Her midnight hair hangs behind her in an enormous braid that sways gently down behind her knees. They've come at last, but they've only just gotten here. See? See, Sister Greston? I told you they would get here at some point, and I knew that point would be now. The armored individual responds. Her voice is muffled by the rune-etched evil hell. Yes, Sister Pedro. It is the now, and the now is when we ensure the coming of the mouths of the many, the darkness that howls, the end that hungers. The cleric of the many points her gauntleted finger toward the wizard's heart. The hateful one has declared your death, wizard. What? What did I do? I cast ghost sound in the wrong place, didn't I? I didn't know there was a noise ordinance here. I'm sorry. Make this easy on yourselves. Give us the wizard, and the rest of you may leave with your lives. 
Castle and the Hateful, our radiant master has no need for the rest of you. You will fall to the Entropified soon enough. Enjoy your last days. Spend them living. Give us the wizard. Look, lady, even if we do give you the wiz, there is no way I'm going to walk out of here alive anyway. I am a psychic ghost now, and even Chip here can't bring me back. And he's one of Peldis the Bright's favorite worshippers. You aren't getting anything from me. Now, now, hold on a moment. What exactly do you want the wizard for? Yeah! Why do you want Angar here? I mean, he's a thousand years old or something, so he'll probably croak soon anyway. My eyesight isn't quite what it used to be, but I believe the Sisters of the Many were pointing at you, my dear. Besides, I'm only 86 years old, not a thousand. She will die, that the Circle of Iron Stars may never be forged. Well, that certainly isn't going to happen. I may be wrong, but what do you think, Saltzapir? Yes, I thought not. Indubitably, this young woman has so much more studying and magical research ahead of her, and I will be damned to eternal torment on the plane of untagged scrolls before I let you interfere with her schooling. Paldas the Bright is a god of infinite mercy, but not infinite patience. I give you the same terms you offered us. Let us keep the wizard, and you may leave with your lives. Uh, Adonska, why are you moving toward the two evil ladies instead of backing up with the rest of us to form a protective ring around the wizard? Because I'm more effective in a fight if I had a body, and they seem to have brought two extras. If I were you, Cleric, I would start praying for your dark god to fortify your mind against POSITION! Enough! The will of the many is strong, little ghost. It shall feast upon you very soon. Sister Dresden raises her arm, pointing her wicked mace toward the whiz. Fear me, wizard! As she strides through Adonska and toward your circle, Nine shadows and three rays rise from the oasis. The shimmery dark shapes in vaguely humanoid forms float menacingly toward the party. Come on, guys! I swear I didn't know what I did! Unless I didn't did it yet. Did I? Well, if we've got a dozen ghost things coming at us, it looks like it's up to Adonska and my ghost touch claws to keep them away from the wind. That's fine, but remember, if you attack, that'll drop your invisibility. And then Peldra and Greston will know exactly where you are. Oh, no, they won't, Mr. Voice. You got that all wrong. As a pixie, I can stay invisible as long as I want, even if I attack. But we can still hear you. And if we have infravision, we can still see you as well. Yeah? Well, the infravision won't do you any good if your eyes melt from my acid breath. Ah, my face! Sister Kristen, shield your eyes! Why do you think I wear this helmet or carry this enormous shield, Sister Peldra? For exactly that purpose. Pinky, Adonska, get back in this half circle. Solstapir can't cover the hole you two left by himself. Yeah, get back here and save me, like the Pally said. Good work, Pally. I'll give you some bull strength as a reward. 
So, are you going to cast that, or...? Jeez, Pally. You gotta put your own magic on first before you help your fellow passengers. Just let me quicken a displacement, and then you're next. Back. Back, you shadowy fiends. If you want my pupil, then you must pass through Engar Flame Hands. Flaming Hands. Two shadows stop in their tracks, unwilling to pass into Engar's 15 ILDM fan of fire. The vengeful ghost of Adonska Rothgeld jumps backwards six paces, folds its hands, and closes its cold, blue-rimmed eyes. After a second or two of stillness, when the muscles in his face have relaxed into a placid slackness, his eyes snap open just as a wibbly purple plasma of energies erupts along his forearm. Adonska throws the glowing arm downward and away from his hip, focusing the psychic force into an ILDM-long blade that extends along the line of his forearm. You may have regained your focus, spirit, but you will not recover from my flurried assault. Peldra bounds across the battlefield in the blink of an eye. She stands towering above Adonska, looking down her nose at him for a long moment, focusing the chaotic energies of the many from her mind, through her arm, into her fist, and finally into Adonska's very surprised face. She continues moving, stepping straight through the ghost's right shin. She leans her torso backwards and focuses one more time, bringing the heel of her palm crashing into Adonska's left shoulder. The surprised ghost falls backwards, tripping over Peldra's leg and slamming into the ground. Ow! I think you broke my nose! Meanwhile, Greston raises her evil mace aloft, chanting softly in a wicked language. A bloody red light flares around Greston's weapon, and she swings her arm in a wide arc. Three jets of magical energies course through the air toward Pinky, Hera, and Adonska. Cower in terror at the insuperable power of the many. Whoa, duck! Cover your face! I think they're going for the eyes! Already got my face covered. Ow! I shall never lower my countenance, not even if- Oh! It stinks! God damn it got right in my eyes! Lady Hera, do we need to tie you down so you don't hurt yourself or others in your terror? Ah, oh, by all the goddesses' tits, that hurts! No, I'm not terrified, Engar. I am a paladin. Nothing scares me. But, ugh. Even if you are immune to fear, I do not suggest letting her magic get into your eyes. Turn undead. That's right, Shadow Being. Cower before the loving truth of Paldus the Bright. Go, flee this place. Find peace, tormented spirit. <sighs> now that I'm not distracted, would you like some help, Hera? Thank you, Chip, but I think it's a better idea if we stay in formation. I'll just quicken a lesser restoration. A sound plan, Hera. And I shall fortify our position with a quickened bless. The party begins to glow with the soft golden light of Paldus the Bright, causing the eight remaining shadows and raids to momentarily halt their advance. And let's keep them at bay with more acid breath! Yeah! 
That was a mighty quick recharge for your breath weapon, Pinky. Usually, it takes 15 seconds to refill the chemical sacs in a dragonoid's throat. Yeah, they're all still out of range, so this one was kind of weak. It was more to intimidate them, I guess. I'm not sure walking through that cloud would have done more than sting their eyes, noses, and throats. As it stands, it did nothing, Dragon Pixie. And you've given away your position again. While Peldra stands next to Adonska, who happens to be 20 ILDMs away from Pinky, whom the monk is currently threatening, one of the phantoms regains its composure and stretches a translucent hand toward Hera's breastplate. But it doesn't realize that I'm standing right by Hera, protecting her flank! Yaha! Pixie Scratch! Pinky's magical claws find the phantom at a moment where it's flickering back and forth from the ethereal plane lands it on the prime material. Pinky's clawed hands break through the phantom at the same moment that the spirit makes contact with Hera's breastplate. Good show, Pinky. And we're in luck. The goddesses have provided an opportunity for me to turn undead and balance the scales. Another shadow being has arrived at the most likely point for Pinky to be standing. You know, since she's a pixie and all, and she can stay invisible as long as she wants. Hera hoists her mighty golden side high above her right shoulder, catching the light of Chip's blessing to reveal the full glory of the etched parable that unfolds along the blade of her weapon. A woman is born and she blossoms into a maiden in a field of flowers while a village of various people looks on. She becomes a mother, not of children, but of books and scrolls and devices which are spread to the people around her for their universal benefit. Finally, she has grown old, a crow, gnarled and bent-backed. She stands alone at the graves of the entire village, having outlived them all. All of the shadows and phantoms cower in terror as Hera radiates the cycling green, orange, and indigo lights of the triple goddess across the battlefield. You shall not succeed, adventurers. Your gods are but two. Ours is the many. The wizard shall die. If you want the wiz, then you'll have to Still blurry from her displacement spell, the Wiz now splits into six identically blurry copies of herself, forming a second ring behind her friends. The party now forms two half-circles that are protecting... nothing in the center. Eighty-four strobing bands of color spring forth from twelve hands, bathing the oasis in flickering, swirling, epilepsy-inducing patterns of light. Fortunately, nobody here seems to suffer from this very real and very serious affliction. Young lady, you need to work on your aim. This is how you do it. You simply put your hand or your finger or whatever object happens to be in your hand. But be careful not to use your walking staff or you fall down and it ruins the whole effort. I'll use this knife that I have hanging from my belt as an example. You, you square up your hips and shoulders to the target, such as that evil cleric over there. Point the object in your non-walking staff hand and chant the formula for fireball. A ball of flame ignites in the air just beyond the point of Engar's knife and immediately streaks toward Greston. 
She raises her shield to avoid a direct impact, but the explosion of flames swallows her. Within a few seconds, the smoke billows away, and you can see her steaming armor begin to glow red with an evil healing spell. You try our patience. The end has already come. You have chosen an accelerated death. We shall break your bones and rend your tendons, but leave you living. That when the great unraveling begins, you will be powerless to do anything but watch. I've hit it with you two! Quit it with your fucking villain talk and just do something! By all the gods' genitals, I started this stupid psychic meditative practice because assholes like you kept getting under my skin. Well, how about I just get under your skin instead? Wait, wait, what are you? Stay back. I, I am a servant of the many. And I am a pissed off psychic ghost. Adonska disappears from sight and Peldra's eyes start glowing with the same pale blue light that the easily frustrated psychic ghost is made of. Who's wearing you like a suit made of meat? No! What are you? I won't let you! You gave up the right to let anything when you threatened my friend. Peldra's right arm flicks outward and down, stretching to its full extension as Adonska's side blade flares to life from the monk's fist. So let's just give you a little psychic robot and see if they can reset your personality. Peldra's body arches back, lifting her eyes to stare at the starry sky for a fraction of a second before driving her face downward into her uprising fist. The psychic blade passes cleanly through her head. Peldra! The monk falls limply to the ground leaving Adonska's ghost standing in her place, holding his own head in pain. The fallen monk has a terrible burn running in the line from her right eyebrow to her left cheekbone. Ow! That's what that feels like! That hurts! Good job, genius. But actually, good job. It was a well-executed administration of justice. The evil cleric of the many throws her shield aside, rushing to the fallen body of her companion. Hey, I'm not even sure if she's dead yet. But until we find that out, I fully intend to use that body. Yeah! Adonska swings at the onrushing cleric, and Greston ignores the danger to herself, crashing straight into and then through Adonska's attack. She collapses to her knees and gathers Peldra into her arms. You will never be forgotten, Action Town Criers, and your torments will never cease until we meet again. She's got a magic ring. Somebody stop her. The two sisters of the many flash with a blindingly white light, and by the time your vision recovers, the only sign of them is Greston's discarded shield emblazoned with the ringed tentacles of the many. All right, Action Town Criers, it's time to rest, recover, look for survivors, and then spread the news! Visit the 20-Sided Theatre online at 20sidedtheatre.com. 
You can also follow us on Twitter through scryo-magical links that Imanand and Thrimlock have established to your internal net. You can follow yours truly, the incorrigible Romandes Warfinde, at Illustrious Row. Master Shenuda at Shenuda Necroco. Thrimlock at Thrimlock. Issa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot. And Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. The 20-Sided Theatre is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenuda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Caridwen Quatrin, Kean Quatrin, and Rory Quatrin. With special thanks to John Abenante for letting us mention Ox Balbjorn. Original adventure and story by Blake Parker. Script adaptation by Rory Quatrin. Edited by Blake Parker. Music by Detenado. I'm Matt O'Neill. John Stewart. Cubby. Michael Majorana. Picrosso. Stephen O'Brien. And VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20 Sided Theater. If you don't, the dread pirate Kelora Tamlin will have her crew restain the deck of her newly acquired vessel with the bodily fluids of you and your family. Join us next time at the 20-Sided Theater. Shenuda, president of the Shenuda Necromancy Corporation and Lord High Weaponsmith of the Unholy Empire of Voladros and the Riadens. What is the most expensive thing about defending your realms? Horseshoes for your cavalry? Swords for your infantry? Arrows for your archers? Believe it or not, the average Imperial noble spends five times as much on feeding their army as they do on any other wartime expenditure. I'm Duke Gubler, Earl of the Roiling Hills of Southwestland. I was drowning in debt trying to keep my armies fed. I was even considering conceding land to that accursed Dip Dobson and her horde of halfling barbarians. Then, I found out how much I could save by switching to Shenuda Necro products. Eliminate your expenditures on vile foodstuffs to feed your ever-hungry armies. Scry us to place your order now. Our scry lines are always open. My embalmed necromages are standing by to begin converting your sick, 
foodstuff addicted armies into ruthless, efficient machines of death. I am proud to announce the Black Magma series of Shenouda Necromancy Corporation necrotic weaponry and magically enhanced conglomerations of humanoids or mechs if you are into that whole brevity thing. Glory be to the great Iron Lady, Mayase, the mother of weapons, for allowing their deadly and elegant designs to be forged within my mind. When I found out about the Shinoda Necromancy Corporation's Black Magma series of lightning-fast undying sword striders, intensely potent mummified lightning callers, and undead defender mechs, I knew I had to have them protecting the roiling hills of Southwestland immediately. I scribed their customer service representatives, and within that very hour, I had a team of Shinuna necromancy embalmed necromages striding through a portal into my barracks to begin their work. Less than a week later, my newly undead army had repelled that devious Dip Dobson and sent her running back to the Halfling Wilds. I'll never spend another copper piece on foodstuffs for my armies again. Thanks, Shinuda Necromancy Corporation. You really brought out the best in my dead. End your dependence on vile foodstuffs. Think of the savings. Order your Black Magma series undead today. Scry Paraters at the Swamp Pyramid are waiting to hear from you. We look forward to bringing out the best in your dead.